Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. You're listening to Habs Culture, a Montreal Canadiens podcast. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at Habs Culture and on Twitter at Habs underscore culture to stay on track with news and updates. Episode 54 of the Habs Culture podcast. My name is Justin Schwartz and today is going to be a little bit different from the last time you guys heard my voice. Um, I know it was probably a little bit of an adjustment adjustment to change uh, last week when when I first when I recorded the first episode alone. Um, I thought it went pretty well for the most part, and it was honestly a lot of fun to record, like I mentioned a few times throughout the episode. Um, but today we're gonna we're gonna switch things around once again. And I've been kind of pondering with the idea of doing an episode revolving around you know the draft and and how in- how intense this draft is and how exciting this draft is gonna be. And I wanted to do kind of two segments, and there will be the second one a little bit later on. But today we're gonna we're gonna do a little bit we're gonna do something different. We're gonna do a quick draft preview, and I'm alongside my friend Liam Baum. And what we're gonna be doing is we're gonna be doing a ten pick mock draft. So we're gonna kind of throw each other's picks onto one another, bounce ideas off one another, maybe even come to a consensus at one point throughout the night. Um, but that's what what that's what the plan is gonna be today. And the truth is is that. Whatever we're going to record today is very raw. Um, we're kind of, look, we've, we've prepped a few things, but for the most part, these are just kind of the first thoughts, the first ideas, the first picks that come to our minds. So bear with us. It's going to be fun. Um, so Liam, thanks for coming on. Thank you. Happy to be back. Happy to be again. back. It's been, a, it's been a little while now. Yeah, yeah it's been a hot minute, but uh, I think we're ready to go. Got our picks ready. And you know what I'm excited about, Liam, is the fact that we're doing this, we're, we're what, we're June 12th. Yeah, and there's actually there's still some exciting stuff going on in hockey aside from the fact that the playoffs are still going on, right? We're still focusing on a couple other hot topics. Yeah, the finals are still going on, obviously, and there's been a couple trades in the last few days. There's a lot to cover, and we can we can cover those two at the end. But I think we're going to stick to our segment for now, and we're going to stick to what we what we had planned on and what we had prepared for. So look, I'm going to throw it on to you right away. And again, not that it's going to be particularly hard from picks one to three, in my opinion. But let's just get started, and let's pretend like, you know, the Chicago Blackhawks are on the clock. Who are you taking at number one? I'd love to make a joke right here, but honestly, it's so obvious. You can't pass up on this guy. Generational talent. Connor Bedard, number one. On Look, to you. <laughs> yeah, I, I, don't, I don't even think we're going to spend much time on it, right? No. Because I don't think that, they, that it's necessary. Um, like I said last episode, we're just seeing this guy kind of dominate at every level, impress at every level, unlock new features to his game at every level. So let's just keep it short and sweet. Connor Bedard is going to be pick number one to Chicago. Yeah. And you know what? Since we have time, since we have time, let's talk about what kind of impact this could possibly, possibly play or could possibly be on a team like the Chicago Blackhawks in a very early stage of the next chapter of their, of their rebuild or the, for their franchise. Yeah, they're definitely in the rebuild phase right now. Starting off, you know, they moved. Kane, Taves is gone now. Obviously, Kirby Dak on the Habs and Debrinkit on the Senators right now. But um, yeah, getting Connor Bedard at number one, 
instantly speeds up your rebuild process. And uh, obviously there's a lot of holes in their roster and they can use just about everything. But of course, getting Connor Bedard just makes it that much better. And you have your franchise guy for the next 15 to 20 years. Right. And just one more question for you. And again, this is just a ballpark and estimate for, for fun question. And maybe I'll even throw it up on Instagram or something. If you had to guess in his first year with the Chicago Blackhawks, assuming that he ends up being drafted to the Chicago Blackhawks, what are your what are your point expectations? What are your point totals, goals, assists, points for Connor Bedard? So obviously Bedard's amazing and he can produce at an outstanding level and I can definitely see him scoring a lot of goals and gathering up a lot of points, but just based on the roster they have now and who his potential line mates might be, it's hard to predict that he's he's going to touch the 40 goal threshold or or like the 80 point threshold. I'm not really sure. Like honestly, I think 30 goals is probably the max he'll hit. I, I definitely could see him hitting 35, but I, I think he's going to get about 30, 30 goals, 40 assists, 70-point season. Obviously amazing for a rookie, but I, I just don't see him putting up that amazing numbers just based on the wingers and, and the guys he'll be playing with on the first power play. So, yeah, what do you think? I'm kind of in the same boat, and I think and I think the truth is is that you know, not to say that you're that you're wrong. I think I just won't cap it. I won't. I won't necessarily say that forty goals is impossible. And I'll and I'll kind of explain to you why. I look. I think I've I've read a lot and I've researched a lot on why Connor Bedard is one of the best players to ever come out of a draft. And the truth is, is that it's his shot. And look, there's a lot of other facets to his game that make him incredible. But his shot could arguably, in some people's minds, be a top of the league in the NHL right now. Yeah, I'm, so yeah, definitely. Like there's some NHLers who have been saying it's 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 better than most NHLers already. It, yeah. Exactly, right? So I'm thinking, you know, if you if if he's clearly going to be given the chance to succeed, you could probably expect li- like some line 1 and some power play 1 usage basically mm-hmm. immediately. And with that being said, on a team that's going to be lacking in so many other areas, they're going to have to depend on one guy. And we've kind of seen when teams are dependent on one guy, whether it's in Arizona with Clayton Keller or whether if it's an, even a Montreal Canadiens with Nick Suzuki and Cole Caulfield, some players tend to step up their game and perform. Yep. Now you're looking at a rookie, but you're looking at a generational rookie. So is 40 goals possible? I think it's possible. Is it likely? Probably not. But it's crazy that we're even having this discussion about how it's not impossible. Mm-hmm. With Athanasiu on his uh, right, his left wing, and Taylor Radish on his right, I mean, it's not looking so hot, but it, it's know. definitely possible. Yeah, right. Anyway, so let's 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 shoot to number two. You want to start with this one? Look, I don't even think it's necessarily up for discussion necessarily. And you know, and and look, let's let's have a conversation about this because this is what this is all about, right? Mm-hmm. What I love so much about this pick, or what I love so much about Anaheim at number two, is that. The consensus right now is Adam Fantilli, and it's not particularly close. Now, what I love to talk about, and I what what Twitter loves to talk about, is how if this is any other year, and Russia's not in conflict, if there's no if there's no conflict with Russia, if he's not tied to an uh, an excuse me a KHL contract, I think most people would consent give you a consensus of Matt Vaymichkov here. I'd agree. I'd definitely agree. But. We're in a situation. We're in a we're in a specific situation where Adam Fantilli is also probably being almost underrated, being underlooked a little bit because of the fact that people are all of a sudden starting to make a case for Matt Vaymichkov, and I don't mean for going number two, but for why he might be more skilled than Adam Fantilli. Mm-hmm. But I think that let's push the Matt Vaymichkov situation aside 
and let's take it into account because it is what it is, Adam Fantilli will realistically go number two in this draft. And I want to hear what you have to say, but I think that Adam Fantilli's abilities and I think that what he can do on the ice are being underlooked or overlooked, excuse me, because of the fact that Connor Bedard is in this draft. And I think we can both agree that if this is not any other draft, but most other drafts, Adam Fantilli is probably going number one. Yeah, I definitely agree with you. It's kind of like the Eichel McDavid situation with just that just that draft in general. But yeah, Fantelli definitely a bit overlooked and in the shadow of Connor Bedard. And you know, it's it's been like this for like the past year, just going back to the World Juniors, where Bedard obviously shines in the spotlight, being almost three points per game, and Fantilli basically point per game, but gets no no uh no coverage. No recognition. Yeah, exactly. No recognition. But uh, yeah, I don't think it's a toss-up here. I think Anaheim is going to be stacked at the center core with Zegris, McTavish, and Fentilli now. But um, yeah, there's not much to say. I think he's going number two. And let alone, sorry, I'm not going to really go into depth on covering the Ducks here, but let alone a very stacked decor, or future decor, Drysdale, Nathan Gaucher, and uh, Owen Zellweger as well. Yep. So they're looking they're looking very very good in that in that regard. And I think that look if you're if you're the if you're a Ducks fan, you're obviously a little bit disappointed that you didn't end up with number one. But I don't think you can be too disappointed with who your who your what your consolation prize may be. Yeah, exactly. It's not even a consolation prize. It's, this is, it's an amazing pick. So can't go wrong with Adam Fantilli. We'll get into Mitchkov, but yeah, uh, Fantilli is just the way to go here. So let's hop on to number three. I think I'll let you kind of take it away here. Um, you're looking at a Columbus team that, you know what? This is setting up perfectly. Let's talk a little bit about the trades that they made. Yeah. Why this pick might be, why why this pick might make a little bit more sense now, considering what they've been doing, and and yeah, let's just let's hash it out. Yeah. So at number three, Columbus is going to take the Swedish centerman Leo Carlson. Um, so obviously, Columbus is looking to win now based on the trades they made, and. I think this is the pick that just makes the most sense because they've been lacking a center for I don't know how many years. It's been forever. Columbus hasn't had a number one center, and I think this finally solves their problems. He's uh, I think he's six foot three. I believe Leo Carlson. Yeah, he is six foot three, one hundred ninety four yeah. pounds. Yeah, so he's the big body. Um, I don't know if you saw. I think you saw him at the World Championships, and yeah, uh, yeah about a month ago, and. He definitely has some some highlights, but also some lowlights. Uh, he's obviously not an insane player, but I definitely think he'll fill that number one center role if it's not this season, next season. And uh, yeah, Columbus is, they're looking to win now. They need to make that NHL ready pick. What I will say about Leo Carlson to kind of add on to what you were saying, and by the way, for the listeners, we, you know, we're, we're going we kind of have the consensus picks right now, yeah. But it, it will change in the. I would even say maybe at four, we might, we might, I guess you could say quote unquote disagree. But um, but yeah, I, I'm with Liam here, and and the one thing that I want to do that I want to say about Leo Carlson, and I think that this is something that teams shoot for when they're drafting players, is that I think that Leo Carlson has an insane amount of upside at pick number three, an insane amount of upside to the point where I do think that he has the potential to end up being the second best player in this draft. Now, does that mean that that will happen? No. Is it necessarily realistic? Probably not. But is it to say that you draft for upside sometimes, especially at a pick three where, you know, you're kind of in that in-between situation? Sure. Why not? 
And I think that what Leo Carlson brings to the table is a very good season in Sweden. And when I when I say a very good season in Sweden, an above average season for a U18 player for well now you know turning he's an he's an 04. He's uh, born in December, right? So he's already he's 18. Mm-hmm. I think that and from what I've understood is that in Sweden on his respective team, he was given an insane amount of respect. He was given an insane amount of responsibility and he, and he produced. So there's a lot of raw skills in his, in his toolbox. And I think that it's going to be on him and the management team to work with him on those things. But if they, if they can hit the hammer on the head with him, then I think that you're really shooting for the stars here. Yeah. They've got a great core and a great, uh, group of young rookies like kent johnston uh kent johnson um i'm just blanking on some of the guys right now but sillinger right they got cole sillinger um yeah and they they still got goudreau and line so right they're they're kind of in that position where you know they did terrible last year but next year is a completely different year and they're looking to win and i think like you said if they hit the hammer on the head and leo carlson's able to fill that role I think Columbus is looking pretty good. Absolutely. And kind of just to go on, uh, just to touch up, touch on kind of what I was talking about, right? Is that I think, and I think, look, I, I always kind of try to relate it back to the Montreal Canadiens in a sense because I think it's interesting because a lot of the people that are listening are more Montreal Canadiens fans than anything. But, you know, you look at a guy like Slavkovsky, and again, he was picked number one, and there was a little bit of debate behind him being picked number one. But one of the biggest knocks on him as a European forward was the fact that he didn't produce at his respective European level. Now you fast forward to a guy like Leo Carlson, who put up 25 points in 44 games, and now you might be saying, well, Justin, that's you know hovering just around half a point per game, maybe a little bit over that. But you're looking at an 18-year-old who played in his 17-year-old season and still was putting over half a point per game playing in a men's league. So with that being said, I think that there's a lot of, pro- not necessarily promise, but I think that there's a lot of upside here and there's a lot of potential. And before we move on to our fourth pick, because I think this might be a relatively consistent topic, it's the, it's the, the question surrounding European forwards. And I know that you have an opinion on this, and I do too, and I think it's, it's kind of a joint opinion here. But not necessarily what are your thoughts on drafting European players, but do you, how would you kind of compare the CHL, for example, the Canadian Hockey League, so whether it's the OHL, WHL, and Q, to some of those men's leagues and for, for player development. Yeah, there's definitely a difference between the the European leagues and the Canadian junior leagues. And honestly, I like Canadians and Amer- or just North American skaters in general better at the top than the Europeans, just because it seems like Europeans have a difficult time adjusting. Like, obviously, I can't speak for every prospect, but... It just seems like North American uh, prospects just adjust better and overall play better. I know I'm going to get called out for this at uh, so-and-so. This prospect was better than this Canadian prospect. But, you know, it's hard to compare. But I think just as a personal opinion, I like the Canadian prospects better than Europeans. But in this case, Leo Carlson definitely has a lot of upside, a lot of potential, and just the combination of his size and skill, it's it's rare to find. And how he produced in the this the SHL is was just amazing. So you can't bash on Columbus for making this pick at all. And you know, 
going against my opinion, I, I don't think it matters. I agree. And and look, I think I think if you're if you're gonna look and, and just kinda just to finish highlighting on Leo Carlson here, just to give the viewers at home something to you know to or sorry, the listeners at home something to think about. His skating is below average. His shooting is just around average. But every other aspect to his game, and, and you might be saying, well, Justin, look, if your skating is average and your shooting is average, then how can you be a top prospect in this, in this draft? Well, the truth is, is that those are skills that you can actually improve upon. The skills where he can improve upon, but he's already good at, hockey sense, his physicality, like I said, his hockey IQ, his, and his vision. It's just, it, those are things that set him apart from the other prospects. I'll call them the, because I think Carter Bedard's in tier one, and then the rest are in tier two. And then I'll, I'll even call the next one tier three. I'd say what differentiates him from the next tier two prospects and the tier three prospects that we're going to be talking about. Mm -hmm. Anyway, let's get on to number four here. And I think this is where things get dicey because the truth is, is that I don't think that there's particularly any right answers. Now, just to give the listeners at home something to, uh, to remember, we're going to be giving these picks based off of fit team fit and probably Team fit, but also the players that are probably like best available in this case. Yeah, and also who we think should be picked, not right. what the outside standpoint is. It's just our personal opinion of who should be picked. Right. So, and don't get me wrong. I mean, I'm not gonna lie. I don't. I I don't have a million viewings on each player. Far from it. But I do. But I do think that we have enough enough insight to be able to make a few assumptions key assumptions, and also pro project players to certain teams based on need, right? So in that case, let's move on to pick number four. San Jose is on the clock. San, San Jose is on the clock. What pick are you making at number four? So I'm going best talent available right now for San Jose. And the answer is Matt Vemichkov. The he's, he's an undersized forward, but... His skill is outstanding. And if you saw my tweet, follow me on Twitter. Uh, I said, looking back in five years, we're all going to be saying how Matvey Mitchkov was the second best player, if not tied for the best player in this draft. And that's just something that I can't ponder a team passing up on. He's shown his skills and how good he is. Looking back at the World Juniors, at his, uh, uh, his KHL stats... I think they're comparable to Ovechkin, if not better. And just all signs are pointing him to be an NHL superstar. Although he does have the three years signed in the KHL and, team, and the team will have to wait, I just think San Jose, I, I don't know if you can say they're at the beginning of their rebuild, but it just seems like they've been rebuilding for a while, but all their players are still young. They have the time to wait for Mitchkov. And I think that this is just the best choice to make and it just makes sense, in my opinion. What do you think? Look, I think I I don't think you I think you said it. I think you said it how it is. Madvey Mitchkov, like I mentioned at the top of the show. Like I said, in any other in any other draft, putting political situation and you know country stuff aside, you're looking at the probably the second best player. He'd be the second best player in the draft. And there's there look there's there's a a ton to like about his game. A ton. The way he lets the game come to him. The way he l legitimately plays chess on ice. And actually 
manipulates his defenders. Look, his skating isn't, like I said, kind of like Leo Carlson, isn't anything to write home about. But his shooting, his passing, his puck handling, his vision, his it's Michigans. all A1. His Michigans, his talent, right? What he's able to do with the puck, the way he's able to score the puck, the way he's able to score, is also incredible. So look, and, and you're probably saying, well, you know, you're saying a lot of good stuff, and why, you know, so why does he end up at four? Again, this is under specific circumstances. But do I think these circumstances are, in, are should get in get in the way of a team like San Jose, who's in a very let's call it a very gray area in terms of where they're at in this league right now and where they're heading? To not pick him, I don't think it merits not picking him. Now, my question is, is that if San Jose doesn't pick him and they go a different route, where does Matt Vemichkov end up being taken? Now, that's a conversation we'll have in a few minutes. Mm-hmm. But just to finish on Matt Vemichkov, I think that any team at four, any team past three, should realistically think, think twice before not selecting Matt Vemichkov. Yeah, I'm just going to jump in. Just going back on what you said about the skating, that just seems like the trend of this draft. There's not that many amazing skaters in the top, I don't know, 15, 10 to 15. But yeah, aside from that, yeah, it just, again, it just makes sense for San Jose. And if he doesn't go there, then every team's going to be taking a closer look at him if they haven't already. Right. I think, I think, look, I think he's the best offense. I think he's the second best offensive forward in this draft. And I really, I don't say, I say that with no hesitation whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And I, I get, like, just can't disagree with that, but. I, I don't, I don't think so. And I think that if you're a team, like I said, you know, like San Jose, like again, what, I'm not going to say, what do you have to lose? But I'll put it this way. Okay. And, and I'll get, I'll put it more of a scenario. You're Doug. Uh, I almost said Doug Wilson. <laughs> he is no longer there. <laughs> no. You are. The Sharks GM. <laughs> the Sharks GM. And you're faced with picking, picking at four, at fourth. Now you're 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 asking yourself, well, what's the best pick that I can make for my for my franchise? What's the best pick that I can make for my franchise going forward? And some may say to take the safe route. Some may say to take something a little bit riskier. And in this case, Mike Greer, GM of the San Jose Sharks should really think before, again, like I said, should really think about taking Matt Vemichkov. Because, like I mentioned, this team is not necessarily in a position to compete right away. They can afford to wait a little bit. And let's just say, worst case scenario, Matt Vemichkov doesn't end up coming over to the NHL and doesn't end up playing. Well, Matt, at least Mike Greer could say to himself, I took the best player off the board at the time. It's not on Mike Greer and his coaching, or sorry, and his and his brass, and it's not on, in my opinion, on any other team and their respective brass to worry about the situation, the the Russian situation, and what's going to happen with prospects going forward. You can only control what's you can only control what's in front of you, and if you're the GM of a team and you're faced with taking the best player available, then Matt then Matt Vemichkov should be off the board as soon as number four. A hundred percent. Just. Uh, like I'm looking at this thing right now, and it, and it says this guy wouldn't be shocked to see him go from two to five, but wouldn't be shocked if he fell from eight to ten. And I think that's just the biggest question of this draft right now. Where is Matt Vemichkov going to go? And just to add on to what you're saying, that 
the Sharks, honestly, they don't have much to lose. They got rid of Timo Meyer at the deadline. And uh, realistically, they're not making the playoffs next year. They're probably not making the playoffs the year after that. And who knows what their their uh, team will be like in three years. But all signs are pointing to them not being in the playoffs for the next three years. So why not take that shot? And obviously, it's not that comparable. But Kirill Kaprizov, taken in the fifth round by Minnesota, he only came into to the league when he was, what, 23, 24? Just about. Yeah. And look how that panned out. Obviously, it's different because Matt Vimichkov's a top 10 pick. But, uh, you know, some of these Russian guys, are they're absolute gems. And I think the Sharks just need to pull the trigger here. Right. And obviously, look, there's a lot, and, and I think, and you're obviously aware of this, and so am I, is that there was a lot less of a risk taking Kirill Kaprizov where he was taken, right? Round, in the fifth round, 135th overall in 2015 by Minnesota. Look, now he's 26 years old. He has three NHL seasons under, under his belt, so he came in playing at 23 years old. There was, again, a lot less risk involved. But again, I don't see, if you're going to look at the upside of potentially having a Kirill Kaprizov on your team, but potentially better at fourth overall, why not take that shot and hope for the best rather than watching him slip to five, six, seven, eight, and then that eighth team is going to end up getting him and you're going to be sitting there saying, well, why didn't I take him, right? Yeah. Look, there's a lot. Again, there's so much risk. There, there really is. It's inherent risk at this point. But can a team like – again, if, if, you were gonna, if you came to me and said, look, uh, let's just take a team uh, – trying to think of a team that's contending. Let's just take a team like the Toronto Maple Leafs. And you told me that the Toronto Maple Leafs, you know, you know, it's win now or nothing, and they need to win next year, but they're picking at fourth overall. Let's just say, would I tell them to take Matt Vemichkov? Now, it might sound crazy, but I'd probably say no in this case. Because, and because, strictly because, they, they don't have time to wait for a guy like that right now. They don't. They, they, they can't afford it. But there are teams at the bottom of this list that really can afford it. Now, maybe the Leafs wasn't the perfect example, but all I'm trying to say is that there's teams that can't afford to wait on players, and there's teams that can't. And one of the teams that can right now is the Sharks. So why not take the chance and wait on the player, wait a couple of years, and hopefully he'll come over and dominate the league? Yeah, just to give another example, I think if Washington was in their position right now, they're, they're at pick number eight, I don't think they take Matt Vimichkov because they need to win now, and you're going to see, we'll talk about it when it comes to the pick. But they're, they have Ovi, obviously, who wants to contend every year and we don't know how many years he has left in his career but yeah just giving another example i think that's a case where mitchkov isn't even considered at number four and look like you know again like i said you know you you guys might be saying well that's you know it's 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 crazy how can you you know how can you how can like you guys are talking up this player but how can you how can you pass on him at a respective spot again look if 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 the the Bruins had picked 25 and Mavi Mitchkov was still there. Like, I'm not, I'm not saying don't take him. I'm just saying that there's that because there still is a massive risk in the top five and you want to hit on that pick, then you, you might not be taking that player if you can't afford to wait. Mm-hmm. But a lot of these teams can. Yeah. So let's move on to this. And, and again, so you're, you're putting Mavi Mitchkov at four, correct? Yeah. Now, so, who do you got? So after all that, <laughs> I have Will Smith going to the San Jose Sharks. Now, there's a lot of speculation about the San Jose Sharks liking Will Smith, liking his game, and maybe even being scared to take a guy like Mitchkov. And he's touring the city of San Jose, so all signs are pointing that way. But I will tell you one thing about 
about Will Smith. And that's why, you know, we're going to get to the Habs pick next. That's why, ideally, look, uh, I, I don't think you can play with Mitchkov or Will Smith in this case. But if Will Smith drops to number five and Montreal Canadiens are able to select him, you're, you're ecstatic. Mm-hmm. But all this to say is that Will Smith at number four, I think, is a great pick for the Sharks as well. You're addressing another need at forward, right? You're looking at a player who has played in the US NDP throughout the past couple of years. He's, he, he's, he's the, the cover boy, in my opinion, of the last couple of years for that program. He's broken records. He's proven to be exactly what that program caters to in skill. Now, you may say, well, he just, he weighs in just under, uh, or not weighs in, sorry, he just, you know, measures in right under six feet, but he's a, he's a stocky, he's a stocky player. He has incredible vision. His puck handling is a, is a second to none. The way he manipulates defenders is incredible, whether it's with his with with passes and whatnot. Now you can make the case, well, you know, Will Smith maybe tries to do too much sometimes. He, you know, he finds him, he gets himself into corners. He doesn't shoot when he should. He he overpasses. And look, I think that again, if we're looking at qualities that players can work on, it's absolutely something he can work on. But I think Will Smith is absolutely a top five prospect in this draft. And it would not surprise me in the least if he goes number four in a position where San Jose feels the need to take something a little bit more secure. So with that being said, I think that the Sharks kind of, I won't say go off the board because I don't think it's off the board, but I think they'll make a bold statement by taking Will Smith at four. And now this draft will get will get underway. Yeah, for sure. I think Will Smith has the a top-tier skill package uh, in terms of his hockey IQ, his passing, and there were some analysts who were comparing him to uh, the type of player Kucherov is. He's making that not extra pass, but he's making that great pass when the opportunity is open, and his vision is just outstanding. So, you know, I don't think San Jose is messing up by uh, not picking Mitchkov here and taking Will Smith, but um, yeah, we'll see how it plays out. And I have a question. Do you think that... Do you think that Will Smith being taken in this spot is a call it a favorable position for a player like Will, like like himself? I think it definitely gives him some confidence. I don't know if it's favorable for himself, but I'm sure uh, he'll be quite happy if he gets selected number four and gets to go to San Jose and the the nice weather over there. Yeah, I guess you can't. I, I mean, look, I think that you're you're looking at a at a relatively you're, you're revamping that core, right? So it's becoming a relatively young core. William Eklund, Bordalo, Bordalo, and then you still have the likes of Thomas Hurdle. Unfortunately, Timo, Timo Meyer left. Yeah. Logan Couture is still around, but that's just that's just the ca- the captain presence you need. Mm-hmm. Eric Carlson's still Eric there. Eric Carlson's still playing at the. T- I mean, not still playing, but reva- clearly yeah. turned his game around. Look, the team is young. There's a lot of young guys. Might not necessarily be top-end guys, but it's a young core. It's a young group of kids. Yeah, and they're just building on that. They're going to keep building, and uh, yeah, it's only going to get better from here. Exactly. So now let's move to number five. And this is where I think a lot of the listeners will actually be intrigued, right? Yeah. We're looking at a pick that, and again, this is all speculation, and you know, everyone has their own opinions about certain prospects, but this is where we're at. I guess I'll take the reins here because I threw it onto you last time. Yep. Now, you had Mishkov at four. I, had, I didn't have Mishkov picked yet. I took Will Smith at four. If I'm the Montreal Canadiens, I take Matt Vey Mishkov. Bang. I do. Bang. But. I don't know. But I don't think he gets taken at number five if he's still available. 
I think the Habs end up going the Ryan Leonard route. Okay. Now, do I necessarily agree with it? No. Is it something that I want to see? If Matt Mishkov is still available, not necessarily. But I think what Ryan Leonard brings to the table, and again, for the people listening, like I just said, it's not necessarily the pick that I want to see, but I think it's what's going to happen. I think that the Montreal Canadiens are slowly marrying themselves to the type of player Ryan Leonard is. And Elite Prospects likes to compare him to the third Kachuk brother. I think that he does a lot right. I think that he's basically the epitome of good at everything, but not great at anything. And I think that that's kind of what Montreal is going to want to bring in here and kind of take the safer route. Because again, I mentioned that there's a risk involved with taking Matvey Mitchkov. So by taking a, a player in Ryan Leonard, who had a very, very, very solid season at the, end, uh, at the USNDP, he put up 94 points in 57 games for just over one, or sorry, just about 1.65 points per game. And again, he, he has the tools in his toolbox. He has the skating, the shooting, the passing, the puck handling, the hockey sense, the physicality. It's all above average. Now, is any of it great? Maybe not, but he's, he's kind of, he, he, he's good at everything. So with that being said, is that something that the Montreal Canadiens are going to want to go out and get for a, a top six that is very, very skilled and add to that top six and maybe have him has a second line guy who's very, very versatile and can kind of play anywhere, whether it's PK, power play, five on five minutes, two last two minutes of the game. I think that they rather go that route in this case. Now, again, do I, do I agree with it? No. Do I agree with it? No. Because I believe in taking the best player available and taking your shot at your guy. But I can see Kent Hughes being in love with a player like Ryan Leonard and being intrigued by his game at number five. Yeah, I, I saw what you saw about the Kachuk brothers. And yes, he plays like that. So obviously a little bit smaller at 5'11", but uh, he's that he's that rugged type player, that hard worker and that rare power forward that we don't often see in the NHL anymore with this skill set. And I don't think it's a bad pick at all. I think nowadays teams are built in a way that you need that physical presence. It's not all about skill, obviously. And uh, yeah, I think I, I think that's a smart choice for Montreal, and I'm excited to see what happens. But again, if you're the Montreal, if, if you're if you're looking this at this from a uh, specifically a fan point of view, and Mitchkov is still on the board, I'm not going to say are you unhappy? Are you unhappy with taking Ryan Leonard? But are you were you hoping for? Would you be hoping for Matthew Mitchkov in that case? Definitely. I, I just Matthew Mitchkov is too good. We've just been saying it for the last 15 minutes, but. You can't pass up on a guy like Matvey Mitchkov. He's just absolutely gifted. And I think selecting the best player available is the best way to go. But at the same time, you need to, to bring in different players on your team. You can't just be all skill. You can't be all physical players. You need that good mix. And obviously, it's a bit disappointing if we were to pass up on him, but... I think Ken Hughes knows what he's doing, and at the end of the day, I'm sure he'll end up making the right choice not to toot his horn or whatever. But right. Well, I think, I think also we can also look back on playoff teams and what has been successful for playoff teams. And if you're going to even look like at a team like whether, whether it's two of the, the, the finalists at this point in time or whether it was last year with 
a team like Tampa Bay and a team like the Colorado Avalanche. Don't get me wrong. There's skilled players littered across those four teams. Whether it's Kachuk, whether it's McKinnon, whether it's Jack Eichel, whether it's Nikita Kucherov, right? Mm-hmm. But what kind of players have actually been the difference makers in getting their teams to that point and getting the job done? Well, if you look at Colorado last year, it was Arturi Lekkinen. But if you look at the runner-up, you look at Nick Paul. If you look at this year, you look at a guy like Matt Kachuk, but Matt Kachuk is exactly what the Habs would want or what any team would want Ryan Leonard to become. And if you look at, if you look at um, uh, Vegas, for example, you're looking at a player like, I mean, maybe not exactly, I wouldn't call him necessarily like a, a, a power forward, but like a, a Jonathan Marcheseau, or whether it's an Ivan Barbashev. Now, are these players, will we call them exceptional? Except for Kachuk, will we call them exceptional? No. But if Ryan Leonard has a ceiling to become a Matt Kachuk and play that style of game while also being a top player in this league, then it's hard to pass up on that upside. Yeah, there's so many examples you could think of. Just once again, look at Tampa Bay's third line back uh, a few years ago with Coleman and, and Goodrow. Obviously, Ryan Leonard seems like he has better skill than them, but again, it's just that physical presence and that's just how you have to build a team now. That's just how it is. I, did you see uh, Mark Mathot's tweet? I don't know. I think it was like a week ago. He said that, uh, I think it was like Vegas's decor, obviously. Ryan Leonard's a forward, but Vegas's decor is all over six foot two. And right. that's how you need to build teams now, all big and strong. Like, obviously, I don't agree with that fully, but again that big body and that just that physical presence is that's just how you win games right and look and i think i think that the montreal canadians and any franchise that's going to end up taking ryan leonard is going to be ready to insert this guy right into their top six and play kind of, and like i said a very versatile role he's going to kind of be everywhere all at once and he's going to be ready to log some big minutes playing some important minutes and he's going to really be He's not going to be the guy that has the puck on his stick 24-7. He's not going to be the, the Cole Caulfield. He's not going to be the guy putting the puck in the net all the time. He's not going to necessarily be the guy giving all the right passes. But he's going to be playing the game the way that the game was meant to be played. For sure. But let's move on, right? Yeah. We're, we've just cleared number five. And what I'm going to do too is I'm going to post this up on Instagram, kind of post you know my side, your side. Yep. It'll be interesting yep. to see what people, the re, the, what, what people think. Did you notice now that we've been we've been through five picks? I, I don't have Matt Mitchkov on my list. Now, again, like you said, does that beg the question that he might potentially fall to that eight to ten range? I don't know. I don't know. Look, we'll, we'll see. I guess we'll see in this mock. But, but it's kind of crazy that it's kind of either top four. I won't say or nothing because I think any team could snag him at five, six, seven, eight. But it's just crazy how it almost seems like there's an unwillingness to draft him past four. Mm-hmm. I mean, again, like you said before, the teams that can wait right now should pick him and the teams that can't like washington and like those teams past 12 i'd say where you're getting closer to the playoff spots they just can't wait those three years but yeah should, should i give my montreal yeah pick? go ahead so at number five i have montreal selecting will smith and just based off the connection with ken hughes i think he used to coach yeah will smith yeah and when they were when he was much younger yeah it just seems like he he loves him and if he's on the board i think he'll select him in a heartbeat and yeah i don't think there's much more to say about will smith we covered him a lot yeah i agree and look as a abs fan i'd be ecstatic with that pick yep ecstatic so again you know you're going if you're going the will smith route if you're going the Matvey mitchkov route, and the truth is that i want to and i want to hear what you have to say about this quick quick i've opened up a lot more and maybe not necessarily at number five specifically depending on who's on the depending 
who's on the board. But I've opened up a lot to a, a and like I said, I wouldn't be happy with a guy like Ryan Leonard if Mitch Culver, Will Smith are available. But I don't mind Ryan Leonard, and I don't mind Zach Benson either. But let's get to number six. Yeah. So yeah, I'll start it off. Arizona Coyotes. They're making a little bit of a surprise pick here, and they're selecting right-handed defenseman David Reinbacker, Austrian, six foot four, big body, compared to Moritz Seider, and Arizona, disappointing franchise right now, to say the least. But after losing Chikrin at the trade deadline, and obviously trading Ghost to spare, but he's not the biggest name, but obviously a big offensive producer for them. Their defense is looking pretty empty. And I know they selected Maverick Lamoureux last season, and he's six foot seven, but you know, there's not that much hype around him and not I wouldn't say it not a lot of upside, but he's just not that number one D man. For sure. So yeah, I got David Reinbacker compared to Moritz Sider, that same skill set, big body, plays physical, has good vision, can move the puck up the ice really well. I think along with that uh, young forward prospect core, adding Reinbacker would be amazing for them. I think I think that that's a very interesting take on your part, and I don't and I don't necessarily disagree with it. The one thing I was going to say about Reinbacker, and I think that you know having done a little bit of research on him, is that he wasn't ever he wasn't really known for his offensive capabilities, but as the season transgressed, he became more and more open to or became better at moving the puck he became better his vision became better his offensive upside became better and i think that, that that again depending on the franchise that you that you pair him with he he will potentially blossom into an incredible offensive defenseman offensive defenseman and you look at a guy like moritz Seider, he wasn't particularly known for his um offensive upside when he was playing in germany he wasn't and that clearly he was paired with a team in detroit where he was capable where they kind of let him loose, right? Yep. He was able to kind of learn the ways slowly but surely, and he, you know, he he went through a few ups and downs, but he got to where he is because of because of the development. And I think that if you give Reinbacher the proper development, and who knows if that's in Arizona, by the way, I'm not I'm not saying that it is or it isn't, but who knows? If it is, then you could see a player like him flourishing. And I absolutely agree. Reinbacher is wh- whichever team he's going to go to is going to be very very lucky. And I think that Reinbacher is also has the ability to be a number one defenseman. Now, looking at Arizona's situation, now giving my pick, I'm not necessarily sure if they're going to go the defenseman route. And I think that this is, and this is actually something that someone kind of, not gave me as advice, but kind of just threw their suggestions at me, talking about how picking a forward in this draft, or picking a defenseman in this draft early might not be the way to go. And if I were to see a guy like David Reinbacher go, I think it would be as early as number four or as early as number five. But I think after that cusp, considering who's still left on the board, whether it's in your case, right, whether it's a Ryan Leonard or a Zach Benson, I find it's going to be very hard for a team like Arizona to pass on considering that their offense isn't particularly, let's call it A1 at the moment. For sure. So in this case, considering that I still don't have Matt Vemichkov off the board, I'm still not going to go with Matt Vemichkov. <laughs> And I'm going to say that the Arizona Coyotes take Zach Benson. Okay. Now, again, do I think that these teams should be passing on Mavey Mitchkov? No. But what it seems like is going to happen is that he is going to be passed on until pick seven. We'll get to that. 
But I think that the Arizona Coyotes might end up with a guy like Zach Benson. I think that, look, now, he he's also a high-motor player, very skilled, a little bit undersized, but plays a lot bigger than he is. Had a great season in the WHL. He know he he knows how kind of like Ryan Leonard. He knows how to play the game properly. I think his refined his skills are are very refined. I think that he he does have some raw skill, but a lot of his skills are already where they need to be. And I think that wherever he slots in right away might not be year one, right? Because he might return back to 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 junior hockey. But in in his year two, when he shows up to camp, I think that he'll be a much different player, and I think he'll be a much improved player. So with that being said, I think that Zach Benson from the Winnipeg. Uh, ice is that the, it's the ice not ice storm right it's ice yeah, just the ice winnipeg ice will probably end up being picked at six and going to a franchise like arizona where they will now develop another centerman who has some versatility versatility on the wing as well and i want to do i want to mention something because i don't want people coming on here and saying you're trying to be different you're not you're not you're not putting Matt, you're not putting mitchkov high enough this is what i think will happen but I do think that if you wanted to tell me Mitchkov will go four to San Jose, kind of like you mentioned, I don't see a reason why he wouldn't. No, I can't disagree with you. I, I think there's a real possibility he he keeps dropping just because of the, the skill in this draft and you know the circumstances with picking him. But uh, yeah, you covered a lot about Benson. He's, he's amazing. And, and Arizona definitely needs everything. So picking a guy like Benson, I think is a good pick. They've got... Genther coming up, who looks amazing. Logan Cooley. Um, I don't know. Those are their top guys. Still Clayton Keller, yeah, right? Yeah, they still got Keller. Nick Schmaltz. Schmaltz, Michelli. They're trying to develop a guy like Jack yeah. McBain, but who knows? They, they've got to make their franchise exciting. And I think picking D-men obviously isn't the most exciting, but you know they're building a good core there. And I think uh, they can they can be really good in a few years. Absolutely. Do you want to give us your number seven pick? Yeah, so number seven... I, uh, to the Philadelphia Flyers, I've got Ryan Leonard coming off the board here. So again, Philly just has that that history of physical players. You know, they build their team around grit, and I think Leonard just slots into that team perfectly. Um, yeah, and and once again, this is another team that's kind of in the middle of rebuilding. They've got some skilled vets and I guess younger players like Konechny, but. Uh, yeah, I think Leonard just slots in well there and seems like a good fit with their other prospects like Cutter Gauthier, Bobby Brink, Tyson Forrester, and again, along with their, their NHL roster players like Konechny, Farabee, Frost, and Tippett. It seems like they're moving in the right direction, and with their new GM, Danny Briere, uh, it's looking good. Yeah, I could, honestly, I see that fit 100%. I really, really do. Kind of that, that guy that can kind of slot in anywhere play that physical role but also you know add that skill kind of kind of kind of what connect brings to the table right yeah for sure um i can absolutely see that and i think that that would honestly be if again if ryan leonard is available at seven in your mock i take him right away right if if teams are considering him at four or five or maybe not four but five six i think that it's kind of you know at seven you're kind of given the kind of like what i call the montreal situation where they're given the availability or the the ability in this case not availability, but the ability to kind of take the best player off the board, hoping it's Will Smith or Matvey Mitchkov. But in this case, at number seven for Philly, you're also kind of faced with a best player available type of situation because at this point, it will either be between, again, let's let's scratch Bedard, Fantilli, and Carlson off the board. 
it will probably be between Mitch Cobb, Will Smith, Zach Benson, and Ryan Leonard. Mm-hmm. So you get one of those three, one of those four guys, excuse me, automatically. If if you're going with best player yeah. available based on consensus. Um, but at number seven, I'll just throw it out there. I'm gonna. I think. I think if Matt B. Mitchkov, based on what I'm thinking, ends up getting the seven, I think Philly will take him. Okay. Now it's it's funny because I find that the player that Philly, like in this case, you have Philly taking Ryan yeah. Leonard. I have them taking Mitchkov. Polar opposites in yeah, terms of players. Very different skill set. But I do think if Philly is lucky enough to get Matt B. Mitchkov at number seven. They will finally find their guy that's actually maybe well franchise changing for one, but also a guy, a skilled guy that they never really seem to have other than a guy like Claude. Well, I'm saying in the modern era, mm-hmm. other than a guy like Claude Giroux, other than a guy like Jakub Voracek, but that's really cutting it close, right? So this guy is going to come in here and potentially, again, this is all speculation, but if he does somehow make it to seven and Philly is lucky enough to take him, they're really going to get their guy of the future, and there's no doubt about that. And sorry to interrupt before i just wanted to say something quickly if he does make it to that point let's also let's also not forget danny Breer did mention that philly is going to go into a rebuild they are so based off my criteria based off our criteria is philly a team that's able to wait on a guy like matthew mitchkov in my opinion yes that's what i was just going to ask you if you think that philly is willing to wait those three years for him to come on the team and well the truth is i i do think so because if you're looking at their team Right? There's really nothing special at the moment. At the moment. They've got struggles in it with Carter Hart and they're and again, I don't know what the, the movement is there in terms of trying to move him, but it seemed like they were they were trying to move him at one point last week. Then Sean Couturier is still hurt. Who knows what his situation is when he'll come back? They're led by a very, very young core. If Mavi Mishkov is available and they're able to take him, two years down the road when this team will kind of be a little bit more built up, they'll all be a little bit older, they'll all be on the same page, they'll all be ready to compete together. He'll be in the perfect spot to slot in right away, kind of like Kirill Kaprizov did with the Minnesota Wild. I like it. Let's move on to Washington. Washington at number eight. Go for it. I think that the Washington Capitals here, and this is and and spoiler, I think that this player that I'm about to mention is probably my favorite player in the draft. Okay. Also from the US NDP, Oliver Moore. Okay. I'm a big, big, big fan of Oliver Moore. And I'll tell you why. The one thing that's, and again, you mentioned at the top of the show how there's no one that's, it seems to be a common theme throughout the draft that the skating isn't necessarily to be something that's up to par, I guess, or above average yeah. across across the top 10 picks. There's nobody that excels that Correct. skating. But I think he, I think Oliver Moore does. And I, not only do I think he does in a straight line speed, but I think he does with the puck as well and is off the shot and, and is shot off the rush. And I think that in today's day and age, especially at the forward position, if you're able to not only skate in a straight line, kind of like Josh Anderson, but also, or Connor McDavid for that matter, <laughs> but I'll, I was just giving Anderson as an example of a big body guy that's able to skate because Oliver Moore is 5'11", 176. He's not a 6'2", or 6'4", type player, but 5'11", 176 isn't small by any means. But all that to say is that he's, he's a, a stocky body who could skate with the puck on his stick and make plays happen off the rush. And I think that's something that's going to be really, really valuable. Maybe not the year after he's drafted, um, or sorry, the year that he's drafted, but the year after when he shows up to camp again. He's committed to the to the University of Minnesota for next year. He ha- He's going to get another year of development under his belt. He's going to be playing in one of the best college hockey associations that there are that, that's out there at this point in time. 
I think he's going to be able to develop his game and bring it to the next level and refine those skills that aren't skating and really add that to his to his game to his to his already polished game and unlock a new level in his game overall. Yeah, I think that's that's a good pick as well. Spoiler alert right now, Oliver Moore didn't crack my top 10. So, okay. Yeah, I'll I'll just go for my pick right now. Yeah, you're good. I'm a little bit hurt about that cuz I really <laughs> like Oliver Moore. Yeah, maybe you know enough. something that I don't. But uh, yeah, with Washington's pick at number eight, they're selecting Dalibor Dvorsky. Okay. So there's been a lot of talk about Dvorsky and how, you know, maybe he doesn't have the best skating and, you know, sometimes isn't interested in the play at some points of the game. But just in my mind, Washington just picks these European players. And for some reason, they all develop super well. And he's a six foot one body, amazing skill, amazing vision. Maybe has dropped down the ranks a little bit since the start of the season. Season, But it just seems like Washington is going to get that, you know, bigger forward, six foot one, like I said, that uh, is just an amazing playmaker like Kuznetsov or Nick Backstrom that just feeds Ovechkin on the power play. So I think getting Sandin was a great start to their retool. And I think Dalibor Dvorsky is going to be a great complement into this retool i guess it's a retool but uh yeah i think he's just he just seems like one of the more nhl ready prospects and i think once again like i said before washington is looking to win now and i think he's going to be able to jump into the league sooner rather than later i like it again i i, I never had any really think anything against Dvorsky. i didn't like the people that were mocking Dvorsky in the top five and kind of pushing the narrative but i do think Dvorsky in that eight to twelve range is absolutely is absolutely valuable, and kind of leading on to our next, our next pick here. Might as well jump on, jump onto it because you've said yep. everything that needed to be said. But I think Dalibor Dvorsky will go number nine to the Detroit Red Wings. Okay. Now you're adding to again another young core, but you're adding to that center core that's already built up of Larkin. You already have that, or, or that starts with Larkin. Excuse me, Lucas Raymond on the wing. They already established um, their their pick last year with um, Casper with Marco Casper. Thank you, and he's also a center. Um, I don't know. Did he? I feel like he got a couple games at the end of last season, but didn't stick around for very for, for too too long. Yeah, um, I think he got injured in his first right, game. Right, exactly. So there's that, and I think that look, there's still there. You can never have. I'm not gonna say you can never have a deep enough center core, but I think that with a guy like Dvorsky, with the skill that he possesses and what he brings to the table, especially at pick nine. So you're looking at the cusp of that cutoff um, in terms of tier levels, in terms of skill. I think that picking Dvorsky at number nine. Like and for every for every reason that you kind of mentioned about Dvorsky is a great pick for an already young Detroit Red Wings team. So Stevie Y goes back to the Europeans again. I wouldn't surprise me. No, especially I, if he's available. Yeah, I like that. I like that. So for me, Detroit is going to select a center, and Zach Benson is going to be that pick. So talked about him before. Obviously, amazing skill, and just you can't pass up on a guy like that. I, I saw on a draft ranking that. This guy had, it was in terms of advanced stats, he had Benson at number four. So I think if Detroit can get their hands on a player like Zach Benson, Zach Benson, they'll be uh, they'll be very happy. They, they've got that core already, those, those young, good prospects like Edvinson and Wallander on, on the D core, and uh, Raymond Casper, and I guess throw Soderblom in there. And Cider. Yeah, and Cider as well, already in the NHL. So yeah, Zach Benson to the Red Wings for me. 
I like it. And like I mentioned before, look, I had him mocked to, to Arizona at six. I think that if he makes it tonight, I think whichever team is getting him is, is an absolute steal. I've seen a lot of Twitter fan pages or Twitter pages, sorry, mocking him to Montreal at five, saying that he's that, you know, that, that they could see him being taken over Will Smith in this case at five. Um, assuming that Mitch Cobb, whatever. Anyway, it's, it's, it's all a little bit of a mush, yeah. all of a little bit of a mix up. But all that to say is that if Zach Benson, who I think could probably be a top five, six player in this draft ends up at nine, Detroit is very, very lucky. Yeah. Needless to say, it's a great pick. He's a great player. And number 10, number 10 to the St. Louis blues. I'm going Axel Sandin Palika. I think St. Louis, let me just name you St. Louis's like, I guess, current NHL or forward core along with their prospects. So right now they've got uh, Jordan Cairo, Robert Thomas, Buchnevich, Varana, and Shen. And then with their forward prospects, they've got Jake Neighbors, Zach Bolduc, and Jimmy Snuggerud. I think that's just a, an amazing O-core to build on and just continue to develop. And I think they really lack a strong defenseman, a strong offensive defenseman which is why I think Axel Sandin Palika is the perfect pick for them. I like it. And look, I don't know too much about, about Axel Sandin Pelika. I know that his skating is incredible for a defenseman, and I think that's why he's basically mocked almost hand-in-hand with Reinbacher yeah. in most mocks. But I'm going to kind of take the, a different approach here at 10, and I'm going to take David Reinbacher, who has not been off the board yet. You had him going 6 to Arizona if I'm not mistaken, yep. I think at 10, the St. Louis Blues kind of just adding on to what you said about the lack of def- uh, of defensemen or the lack of, let's just put it, of NHL capable or NHL f- or future NH- NHL defensemen um, in their system right now is a huge concern. And I think everything that you said about Reinbacher before was absolutely true. And I think, like I mentioned, is that if you send him to the right organization that knows how to develop a player or a European defenseman that is trying to make strides in his offensive game. I think sending him to St. Louis is an absolutely, I'll say, perfect perfect pick in this case. And again, I don't think, like you said, like I know David Reinbacher is already off the board for you. I don't think you can go wrong with a guy like Andal- Axel Sandy Pelica. I don't think you could go wrong with any defenseman in this draft for St. Louis at yeah. this point. But I think if Reinbacher is still on the board at 10, I think that they take him and I think that they develop him properly because they they, they know how to develop their defenseman um, based on based on their prior uh, experience with Petrangelo and, you know, having Tori Krug in their system and, um, you know, Pareko. Pareko. And, yeah. uh, and now, and now uh, I, I forget his name. The uh, Perunovic. Yeah. Per- Scott Perunovic as yeah. well. So I think they're, that they're making an effort, but I think that, you know, if you can bring in a guy like Reinbacher, who I wouldn't call him NHL ready, but I think that he's closer than he's closer than people may think. Yeah. I, I think he might be closer than, than Sandin Pelica just because of that, size i think he's six foot four so he's six two one ninety or okay. 187 excuse me okay so yeah i think he's bigger than sending but he Pelican. plays a very big game versus an, a guy like axel sandy pelico who's 511 181 yeah so but stocky at, at 511 but i think st louis is also in that retool as well right you know, and there were some some rumors that o'reilly might resign or go back to them but yeah i guess we'll see how it plays out but i think uh st louis is closer to contending than not so we'll see how it goes do we want to give our final list kind of just uh rapid fire yeah sure so uh, i'm i more and more i'm i'm regretting having matt mitchkov at seven but <laughs> yeah you might get some heat but you'll look like a genius if you we'll uh, stick with it for now all right so number one no 
No, we'll just rapid fire. Yeah, whatever. We can do it. So Connor Bedard, number one to the Chicago Blackhawks. Number two to the Anaheim Ducks, Adam Fantilli. Number three to San Jose, Matvey Michkov. Number, oh sorry, oh sorry. Number three to Columbus, Leo Carlson. Number four, Matvey Michkov to San Jose. Number five, uh, Will Smith to Montreal. Number six, Ryan Backer to Arizona. Number seven, Philadelphia selects uh, Ryan Leonard. Number eight, Dalibor Dvorsky to Washington. Number nine, Zach Benson to Detroit. And finally, number 10, uh, St. Louis selects Axel Sandine Pelica. Great. And for my mock draft, I had Connor Bernard going one to Chicago. Adam Fatilli going number two to Anaheim. Leo Carlson going number three to Columbus. Will Smith going number four to the Sharks. Ryan Leonard going number five to Montreal. Zach Benson going number six to Arizona. I'm going to switch something up quick. Okay. Am I allowed? Yeah, go for it. It's quick. Go I'll ahead. just switch six and seven for now. I will put Mave Mishkov at six to Arizona, and I'll put Zach Benson at number seven to Philly. Philly. Okay. I think that makes more sense. Okay. I don't like it either way, but I think <laughs> it makes more sense. But anyway, number six, Mave Michkov to Arizona. Number seven, Zach Benson to Philly. Number eight, Oliver Moore to Washington. Number nine, Dalibor Dvorsky to Detroit. And number 10, David Reinbacher to St. Louis. So I appreciate you guys for joining into the show. Give us your thoughts. Yeah, let, let us, us know, know what uh, you think. Let us know if we messed up. Let us know if we're uh, peanuts for uh, picking anybody at their position. So <laughs> I think I think I'm gonna get I think I'm gonna get a lot of heat. <laughs> I might get but, some heat for the D men going early, but but again, it's all speculation. Yeah. It's all opinion based, and you can only you can only foresee so much, right? You can only predict so much. Exactly. Give us your top ten. Yeah, give us we your top hear ten. Them. Let us know what you would change. Let us know what you'd move around. It might be the whole top 10. Yeah. You might not even have a dart at one. You might not even have him in the top 10. You're crazy, but you might not. But again, it's your opinion. But yeah. anyway, let us know. Post a couple TikToks this week, a couple Instagram posts, a couple Twitter posts. I appreciate you guys for tuning in. I appreciate the support. And I hope you guys have a great, great week. Thanks a lot, guys, and take care.